welcome to episode 414 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Um, at the time of recording this, I'm getting ready to go to ALA. Mm-hmm. And when this goes up, I think I'll be in Indianapolis. At that point, I'll be very tired. Yes. So, But now I'm good. I'm excited to do the thing we're going to do. Um, you want to tell people what is happening in this episode? Yeah. So... As long-time listeners know, actually, if you've been listening within the past month, you don't even have to be long-time listeners. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Every month, we um, look ahead to the books that are coming out, and we share some of the ones we are most looking forward to. So this is going to be our February books episode. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Don't worry about writing down the books. They're going to be in our show notes. Um, so if you're driving or any of, those, any of that jazz... Just go to the show notes, and we link to all the title pages on overdrive.com, so you can see if your library has them, and all that jazz. Um, you can also get a hold of us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com for more book recommendations. Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds. Do our reading challenge. All That's all the things. Mm-hmm. Uh how many books did you pick? I actually have 11. I was just going to say, I have like 12. Because mm-hmm. um, is February traditionally just like an awesome I don't know. publishing month? I have no idea. I, and not only, I have, I think I have 12 and I stopped. Like I wanted to keep looking because normally it takes me a while mm-hmm. to really decide which ones I want. I just kept adding them to the list and I was like, oh shoot. Yeah, I was quite surprised at how many I found. I usually do not have quite this many. So I think we might have some overlap. I had I felt it's some possible. that were Well, there was one I put on well, there were two I put on that are both YA that I was like, Adam's probably gonna have these. <laughs> probably. But I put them on anyway. <laughs> are they people that I've interviewed? Uh one of them is I think the other one is too. Maybe. Sorry, I'll let you talk about it. <laughs> um Okay, well I'll tell you Well wait. actually wait. I interviewed the one, but she was on the podcast. The other one, I'm not sure. So we'll find out. There's a YA book that you did the interview that I didn't. I feel it was like a, backwards. It was a it was a source books author at an ALA. Gotcha. Um, okay, I will let you start. Okay, so my first one is one that I believe I've talked about because I had an advanced copy, but it's finally coming out. It is Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. This is the one um, when I talked about it. I said that as someone who has read. A lot of suspense and thriller and domestic thriller books. I usually have a good idea of what is happening. I had no clue with this one. Yeah? Yeah. So I read it in a sitting. <laughs> like in one day, I just plowed through it. Um, so this is about a, um, a woman who had a fight with a friend several, like 12 years ago. And um, one day she is just sort of conveniently in the neighborhood a little stalkerish but uh she she is hanging out outside her friend her old friend flora's house um and she sees a a car pull in and flora gets out um with her kids thomas and emily the problem is thomas and emily have not aged since um beth saw them 12 years ago so that's sort of how it starts um and again i had no idea where this was going which says a lot so that is perfect little children by sophie hannah Man, that sounds super, super good. Mm. Very into that. Um, my first one I'm going to talk about is called The Resistors by Gish Jen. Uh, this is super, super unique. I almost put it on, but did not. Yeah. I was like, mm, I'm probably going to get yeah. this one. <laughs> I'm just going to read the description because it is it is wild. Uh, 
So the time is not so long from now, the place, Auto America, the land half underwater. The internet, one part artificial intelligence, one part surveillance technology, and oddly human, even funny. The people divided. The angel fair, netted, have jobs and literally occupy the high ground. The surplus live on swampland if they're lucky, on water if they're not. The story, to a surplus couple, he uh, he wants a professor, she wants, or so, sorry, she's still a lawyer, is born a Blasian girl with a golden arm. At two, Gwen is hurling her stuffed animals from the crib. By ten, she can hit whatever target she likes, and in her teens... She's happily playing in the underground baseball league. When Auto America joins the Olympics, though, with a special eye on beating Chin Russia, or China Russia, China Russia, you guys get it, uh, Gwen attracts interests. She soon finds herself playing ball with the netted, even as her mother challenges the very foundations of this divided society. A moving and important story of an America that seems ever more possible. The resistors. Is also the story of one family struggling to maintain its humanity and normalcy in circumstances that threaten their every value. There's a lot going on there. There is. But I'm excited to read it. Yeah. Uh, My next one is Something That May Shock and Discredit You by Daniel Mallory uh, Ortberg. Ortberg um, was co-founder of The Toast and is the writer behind the Dear Prudence column. And this is a collection of essays. Um... And, you know, stories um, that is sort of observations about our culture and pop culture. Um, Daniel's hilarious. I follow him on Twitter and I loved the toast. I loved your prudence. Um, So I'm just like all behind this. (laughs) Yeah. From like every possible angle that there is. (laughs) So that is something that that may shock and discredit you. I remember when the toasts, when, like, they stopped. Oh, God, it was so depressing. They stopped doing posts, and, like, the internet held basically, like, a, like <laughs> like a, a vigil. full vigil for the toast. Yeah, the toast was amazing. There are still some of those pieces. I mean, I think you can, st- like, I think it still exists. I just looked it up to make sure. It's, it's, the archives are still okay, there. Okay, so the archives are there. Yeah, there are some pieces in those archives that are just too much for me because they were just so on point. Yeah. And, yeah, the Dear Prudence column he just does an incredible job with some of the the, the answers he gives. Um, so I am, I'm, yeah, I'm all excited about yeah. all this. Sounds amazing. <laughs> um, my next one is Saint X by Alexis Shaitkin. You're nodding your head. Did you have this one? No, did not put it on, but almost did. All right. <laughs> uh, so this one also sounds super, super unique. And again, I'm going to read some of the description for you here. Uh, Claire is only seven years old when her college-age sister, Allison, disappears on the last night of their family vacation at a resort on a Caribbean island known as St. X. Several days later, Allison's body is found in a remote spot in an, on a nearby Kay, and two local men employees at the resort were arrested. But the evidence is slim, the timeline against it, and the men are soon released. The story turns into a national tabloid news, a lurid mystery that will go forever unsolved. For Claire and her parents, there's only the return home to broken lives. Years later, Claire is living and working in New York City with a brief, sorry, when a brief but fatal encounter brings her together with Clive Richardson, one of the men suspected of murdering her sister. It is a moment that sets Claire on an obsessive pursuit of the truth, not only to find out what happened on the night of Allison's death, but also to answer the elusive question, what exactly was her sister? So, that sounds... Very spooky and intense. I found myself reading um, already this year some, like, very, 
a lot more like literary mysteries than I normally mm. do, and this sounds right up that alley as well. So that's Saint X by Alexis Shaitkin, I think. Apologies for the absolute definite wrong mispronunciation. My next one is Real Life by Brandon Taylor. Uh, this is one of those books that has been on like so many anticipated lists, Entertainment Weekly, Electric Literature, Book Riot, Library Journal. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and read the description. A novel of rare emotional power that excavates the social intricacies of a late summer weekend and a lifetime of buried pain. Almost everything about Wallace, an introverted African-American transplant from Alabama, is at odds with the lakeside Midwestern University town where he is working toward a biochem degree. For reasons of self-preservation, Wallace has enforced a wary distance even within his own circle of friends. Some dating each other, some dating women, some feigning straightness. But a series of confrontations with colleagues and an unexpected encounter with a young straight man conspire to fracture his defenses while revealing hidden currents of resentment and desire that threaten the equilibrium of their community. Sounds really, really good. Right? I was trying not to choke. I, I, <laughs> I tried to, I took a sip of coffee and uh, the coffee mug I use now does not retain heat nearly as well. And it was like ice cold. So I took a sip and it was like very shocking. Awkward. Yeah, it was very shocking. And I didn't want to like cut you off. By it's fine. <laughs> coughing into the microphone. Uh, my next one is Weather by Jenny Ophill. Um, Ophill? O-F-F-I-L-L. Ophill, I think. I have no idea. She wrote uh, the nationwide bestseller Department of Speculation, so I feel really bad if I'm getting a name wrong. We're a very, very popular person, so that's my bad. Should have done the research. Please don't uh, send me an email like people like to do. Uh, Lizzie Benson slid into her job as a librarian without a traditional degree, but this gives her a vantage point from which to practice her other calling. She's a fake shrink. For years, she has, a t- uh, she has tended to her God-haunted mother and her recovering addict brother. They have both stabilized for the moment, but Lizzie has a chance to spend... Uh, sorry. They have both stabilized for the moment, but Lizzie has little chance to spend with her free, her free time uh, with her husband and son before her old mentor, Sylvia, makes a proposal. She's become famous for her prescient podcast. Hey, awesome. And wants to hire Lizzie to answer the mail she receives from left-wingers worried about climate change and right-wingers worried about the decline of the Western civilization. As Lizzie dives into this polarized world, she begins to wonder what it means to keep tending your own garden once you've seen the flames beyond the walls. So, sounds very, very interesting, and I'm very, very excited to read that one. My next one is The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. So Eric Larson, of course, wrote The Devil in the White City, which is 100% one of my favorite books. Um, He does a really good job with his narrative nonfiction. And this one is about Winston Churchill and London during the Blitz. Yeah. um, I saw this and I was like, (laughs) yeah, this is so on brand with what's been going on lately. Oh, you know what? This is going to be the episode like right before. Is it? Yeah. Look at that. That's good timing. That is good timing. Um, Marie Benedict, who wrote Lady Clementine which is all about Winston Churchill's wife was in the office last week. And so that'll be like the exact same week as this one, I think. Also, that is the correct pronunciation as Marie taught us. Thank you. I did not know that. I've been now sassily uh, telling everyone else that though. So I'm yes. um, sorry if you want to talk. No. So that. it's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's Churchill um, and London during the Blitz. Um, Eric Larson, of course, is just so good at the details, but without, 
getting bogged down in them. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And with our challenge, you can, you know, you could read Marie Benedict's book and this one, and it's a fiction on fiction. Oh, yeah. Same topic. It's perfect. Uh, my next one is The Gravity of Us by Phil Stamper. Um, I describe Phil to Phil as like the mayor of young adult Twitter. Like everyone tags him and they're like announcements and he seems to know everyone. Uh, he works in publishing, which is part of it, but this is his debut novel. And it is a queer YA book about a young guy named Cal. He's in, um, he's getting ready to go to college. He lives in New York City. They moved to Texas uh, because his father is becoming an astronaut, and he's one of the astronauts that is in this mission that they're trying to decide who's going to go to Mars for the first time. And not only is this a, a huge mission, obviously, but it is highly publicized, and they have these like TV shows all about it, and there's a lot of like fabricated drama all around it. And at the same time, Cal is uh, very, very popular on a social media that's kind of like a mix of um, like TikTok and Twitter, but for news, almost like that Periscope was that was on Twitter. Um, and so he, yeah, so he wants to be a journalist. The app is called Flash Fame, and he has like hundreds of thousands of followers. And so he decides he's going to use his social media to kind of tell the real story behind the mission to Mars. And um, so there's all sorts of social media stuff. There is a love story. There is space. It's just so fun. Um my wife is obsessed with Schitt's Creek, and I thought in my mind Cal was the uh, the brother on Schitt's Creek, whose name I can't think of because I... I don't... Okay, you know. you're, like the, you're also like the two people in the world yep. who don't watch Schitt's Creek. Um, but, like, the brother... Like, in my in passing, I've seen these scenes where he's very over-the-top and dramatic, and, like, that's kind of how I pictured Cal. So, uh, The Gravity of Us by Phil Stamper. It's... I read it in December, but it's a 2020 book, and it's, it's definitely the best YA book I've read in a really long time. So, highly recommend. And he'll be on the podcast... In a couple weeks. I don't remember when. Um, so my next one is somebody that you interviewed and will also be on in a few weeks. And it is All the Stars and Teeth. <laughs> do you have it? It's, I do, of course. But talk about it. It's <laughs> no, but so like, good. I couldn't remember. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Is it is it Adeline? Adeline? Adeline. Adeline. Okay. Um, so this is set in a kingdom where danger lurks beneath the sea. I mean, like. It's so good. Already. Oh it's so already. Good. I'm, I'm sold on this. So, um. As princess of the island, I feel like you should talk about it since you, like, interviewed her. No, no, no. It's okay, because they're going to hear me talk <laughs> about it. So if you want to talk about it, I can just do, like, the... It's Visidia. I'll just give you, like, the <laughs> the, the pronunciation guide. There you go. <laughs> All right. So as princess of the island kingdom Visidia, Amora has spent her entire life training to be high animadan... No. Animancer. Uh-huh. The master of souls. The rest of the realm can choose their magic, but for Amora, it's never been a choice. To secure her place as heir to the throne, she must prove her ma- uh, mastery of the monarchy's dangerous soul magic. That sounds great. That's so good. <laughs> when her demonstration goes awry, Amora's forced to flee. She strikes a deal with Bastion, a mysterious pirate. He'll oh. help her prove she's fit to rule if she'll help him reclaim his stolen magic. But sailing the kingdom holds more wonder and more peril than Amora anticipated. A destructive new magic is on the rise. And if Amora is to conquer it, she'll need to face legendary monsters, cross paths with vengeful mermaids, and deal with a stowaway she never ex- expected, or risk the fate of Visidia and lose the crown forever. Look, I'm just going to tell you right now, the entire book is phenomenal. Uh, this will be 
in my opinion, like this will be that next big YA book. Um, it's blurred by Tomi Adeyemi because they're super good friends, which is just like the coolest sure. thing that they've been on this journey together. Um, but I'm just going to tell you right now, when you read this, you are going to be obsessed with the mermaid. The mermaid is such a badass. Um, the main character is a badass too, but like the mermaid is just next level, incredible. Um, I'm obsessed with the mermaid. I, I love. I love mermaids this are the best so as it is. So, yeah. At, there are, and it's it's cool because this is one of those YA books. Where, like, I always assume if I'm reading a YA fantasy, I can kind of figure out when the twists and turns are going to happen. I, I couldn't for this. It, there was so many things that come out of left field that are amazing. Um, but it's just one of those things. Like, anytime a thing would happen, I just found myself being like, "Hell yeah, that rules!" Like, it just everything is cool. All the magical systems are fantastic. It it's amazing. And again, she'll be on the podcast soon. But ah, oh, you're gonna love it. It's so good. Um, what do I want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Let's do actually another one that's going to be on the podcast later in the month. Um, a Paragon by Colin McCann. McCann. Uh, he is a National Book Award winner and best-selling author. Uh, he wrote "Let the Great World Spin." He's coming to Cleveland at the end of February when you're going to be at PLA. So Correct. I'm doing a live event with him. Uh, this book's on. I haven't gotten to read it yet. I've been prepping for ALA, so this is going. This is actually next on my list. Um, but it just sounds phenomenal. Uh, Bassam Aramin is Palestinian, and Rami Elahan is Israeli. They inhabit a world of conflict that colors every aspect of their daily lives, from the roads they are allowed to drive on to the schools their daughters each attend to the checkpoints, both physical and emotional, they must negotiate. Their worlds shift irre- uh, irreparably after. Uh, one of the 10-year-old daughters is killed by a rubber bullet, and then a 13-year-old named Smadar becomes the victim of a suicide bomber. When Bassam and Rami learn that each uh, of each other's stories, they recognize the loss that connects them, and they attempt to use their grief as weapons for peace. Uh, it just sounds pretty heartbreaking, and it's def- it's a sweeping one where it's going to cross like centuries and various continents and kind of stitching time together and stuff, so... Very excited. It's a big book. It's a big, big book, so I'm really excited to dive into it after ALA, but um, that's A Paragon by Colin McCann. My next one is 18 Tiny Deaths by Bruce Goldfarb. So this is about um, the woman, the woman, woman, one, Frances Glesner Lee, who um, pioneered forensic science. She was a grandmother without a college degree, and as the description says, Lee may have a may appear better suited for a life of knitting than of investigation of unexpected death. But um, she had this decades-long obsession with advancing the discipline of forensic science. Um, and so this book is just all about her and how, um, you know, what we know of as, as modern forensics when it comes to, you know, true crime and investigations, how it came to be. Yeah, I saw this. This looked really, really good, but I definitely knew you were going to have it on your list. Um, yeah. My next one is Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. Just want to give you guys a heads up. This is a book under the Macmillan Publishing House. So if you're trying to borrow it through Libby or Overdrive, it's probable that you won't see it because of their restrictions. And if you're a librarian trying to purchase a copy of it, that's why you may not see it. That said, we still wanted to give it uh, a shout out because it sounds amazing. And Sarah Gailey, who was on the podcast last year and wrote Magic for Liars, is just a phenomenal writer. So wanted to give them some love. So 
I will now tell you what the book is about. I forgot how our podcast works just for a moment. It's fine. It's fine. Esther is a stowaway. She's hidden herself in the librarian's book wagon in an attempt to escape the marriage her father has arranged for her. A marriage to the man who was previously engaged to her best friend, her best friend who she was in love with, her best friend who was just executed for position of resistance propaganda. It's a lot in one paragraph. The future American Southwest is full of bandits, fascists, and queer librarian spies on horseback trying to do the right thing. Sold. Another one of those books where it's just like they hit these these just like bullet points where it's like, yep, I, I don't care what the rest of the plot is. I'm, yeah. like, I'm in. So that's Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. So this uh, next one is The Girl with the Louding Voice by Abi Dere. So um, this is about a 14-year-old Nigerian girl named, uh, named Adani, and all she wants is an education. Uh, her mother has told her that education is the only way to get a louding voice, which is the ability to speak for herself and decide her own future. But Adani's father um, sells her to the, be the third wife of a local man who is eager for her to bear him a son and heir. So... Okay, so um, Adani runs away to um, the larger city, hoping to make a better life for herself. And it's there that she finds the only other option before her is servitude to a wealthy family. As a yielding daughter, a subservient wife, and a powerless slave, Adani is told by words and deeds that she is nothing. But while misfortunes might muffle her voice for a time, they cannot mute it. And when she realizes that she must stand up not only for herself, but for other girls, for the ones who came before and her and were lost, and for the next girls who will inevitably follow, she finds the resolve to speak however she can until she is heard. So that is the girl with the louding voice. Nice. My next one is Amnesty by Aravind Adiga. Uh, they wrote <clears throat> The White Tiger, which was a best-selling novel. Uh, Danny is an illegal immigrant in Sydney, Australia, denied refugee status after he fled from Sri Lanka. Working as a cleaner, living out of a grocery storeroom for three years, he's been trying to create a new identity for himself. And now with his beloved vegan girlfriend, Sonia, with his hidden accent and highlights in his hair, he's as close as ever to living a normal life. But then one morning, Danny learns a female client of his has been murdered. The deed was done with a knife at a creek uh, he'd been to with her before, and a jacket was left at the scene, which he believes belongs to another one of his clients, a doctor with whom Danny knows the woman was having an affair. Suddenly, Danny is confronted with a choice, come forward with his knowledge about the crime and risk being deported, or say nothing and let justice go undone. Over the course of this day, evaluating the weight of his past, his dreams for a future, and the unpredictable, often absurd reality of living invisibly and undocumented, he must wrestle with his conscience and decide if a person without rights still has responsibilities. That's Amnesty by Aravind Adiga. So my next one is Bell Revolt by Lindsay Miller. Uh, Lindsay was on the podcast. She talked about her Mask of Shadows, which came out, well, it seems so long oh ago. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was an so early one of our podcast interviews. So um, Lindsay uh, has this new book, and it is about uh, two girls, Emily, who is a uh, girl of noble birth, um, who really just wants to be a physician, and Annette, who um, comes from sort of, you know, more humble beginnings, but wants to be trained in magic. 
and Annette is then offered um, a chance of a lifetime, and Emily and Annette swap lives. Annette attends finishing school as a noble lady to be trained in the ways of divination, while Emily enrolls to be a physician's assistant using her natural magical talent to save lives. But then war breaks out. (laughs) As it does. As it does. And Emily and Annette uh, come together to help the rebellion unearth the truth um, about what is happening in their world before it is too late. That's Bell Revolt. Mm -hmm. We both interviewed Lindsay. Did we? I'm remembering this now. I couldn't remember. It was one of those weird ones where we both went to a conference and we both interviewed her, and I remember because it was source books. It was. It is source books. Yes. And we were like one of the first people to interview her, and I remember yes. her being very, very uncomfortable. Oh. Remember, she said she was super nervous. No, sorry, I didn't mean to like erase no. you from that. No, no, no. I was trying to think. I was like, has she been on the podcast multiple times? Like, okay, she's delightful. Okay. She's delightful. And, um, but I do remember that. Like, she got done. She's like, I was so nervous, and we were both That's like, right. what? Okay. Okay, yeah, that was an early one. Like, what episode was that? Do you know? Um, I super should have looked because I was just on our on our website. But I I'm gonna look it up for you guys right now. I'm just gonna keep rambling till I look it up, which is happening as we speak in real time. It was episode 159. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a while ago. That was uh almost was like 280 episodes ago. Math is hard. Um. All right. I waited as long as I could to say this one. I thought for sure you were gonna have this one. Uh, the King at the Edge of the World by Arthur Phillips. Did you not see this? I don't think I saw it. Okay. All right. This felt like a Joe book. Um, Queen Elizabeth's spymasters recruit an unlikely agent, the only Muslim in England, for an impossible mission in a mesmerizing novel. Okay. Definitely did not see right? this one. I Specifically, I was like, well, I'll leave this on my list just in case. All right. I'll, I'll go some more into it. The year is 1601. Queen Elizabeth I is dying, childless. Her nervous kingdom has no heir. It's a capital crime even to think that Elizabeth will ever die. Potential successor is secretly maneuvered to be in position when the inevitable occurs. The leading candidate is King James VI of Scotland. But there's a problem. The Queen's spy masters, hardened veterans of a long war on terror and religious extremism, fear that James is not what he appears. He has every reason to claim to be a Protestant, but if he clearly shares... His family's Catholicism, 40 years of religious war will have been for nothing, and a bloodbath will ensue. I can't believe you didn't see this. I have no this. idea how I did not see this. <laughs> I, I was like, I specifically was like, I'm going to put this on my list just to be safe. But yeah, The King at the Edge of the World by Arthur Phillips. It sounds so good. Okay. Well, clearly I was not as diligent it's in okay. book searching as I thought. There are two of us, thankfully. Yeah, it was actually pretty like high up on the I don't know. sales pages. I don't know. I may just... Well, sometimes when I'm going through the sales pages, if it's like super high up, mm-hmm. like, these books don't need promotion. So it's hey. possible that happened. And uh, I'm just going to give a shout out. Hey, uh, Cuyahoga County, our our local library who just won like, you know, best library of the of the country like for a 10th year in a war. Like, good job. Hey, why don't you guys have a copy of this book yet? What's up? Just recommended it to you. There in you real go. time. It's all happening. I'm- Sure, they're going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, Adam recommended it. Adam recommended it. it. Mm, Yes, yes. Uh, My next one is A Perfect Explanation by Eleanor Anstruther. This is about Enid Campbell, granddaughter of a duke. She grew up surrounded by servants, wanting for nothing except love. But when her brother died in the First World War, a new heir was needed, and it was up to Enid to provide it. What is with this? (laughs) Like... It's not the role of women, but whatever. <laughs> just getting angrier okay. and angrier in this one. Well, just let's like two or three back-to-back books. I've noticed that. Okay. Hey, you picked them. I know. 
They, you know, it's one of those things where you don't really think about it. Until uh-huh, you're... until you're reading them all back to back. Anyway, so um, a troubled marriage and three children soon followed. Um, and broken by postpartum depression, overwhelmed by motherhood and a loveless marriage, Enid made the shocking decision to abandon her family, thereby starting a chain of events that reverberated through the generations. Interweaving one significant day in 1964, when it seems the family will reunite for the last time with a decade during the interwar period, a perfect explanation explores the perils of aristocratic privilege. Wow. Where where inheritance is everything and happiness is hard won. So that is a perfect explanation by Eleanor and Strother. (laughs) Um, My next one, I think this is actually my last one, is Gin Patrol on the Purple Line by Deepa Anapara. Um, In a sprawling Indian city, three friends venture into the most dangerous corners to find their missing classmate. Down market lanes crammed with too many people, dogs, and rickshaw, past stalls that smell of cardamom and sizzling oil, yes please, below a smoggy sky that doesn't let through a single blade of sunlight, and all the way at the end of the purple metro line lies a jumble of tin-roofed homes where a nine-year-old Jai lives with his family. From his doorway, he can spot the glittering lights of the city, of the city's fancy high-rises, and though his mother works as a maiden one, to him they seem a thousand miles away. Uh... Gin Patrol in the Purple Line plunges readers deep into the neighborhood to trace the unfolding of a tragedy through the eyes of a child as he has his first perilous collisions with an unjust and complicated wider world. It's Gin Patrol on the Purple Line by Deepa Anapara. Well, that's your last one. That's my last okay, one. Okay, I have two left. Okay. So my first one is A Delayed Life by Dita Kraus. Dita is a Auschwitz survivor. She was born in Prague to a Jewish family in 1929. And then, of course, you know, um, World War II breaks out and the Holocaust. And um, it's a memoir. She, in Auschwitz, was known as the librarian of Auschwitz. And um, her role was kind of managing the books that her fellow prisoners smuggled into the concentration camp. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> yeah, so um, she is, she also is the subject of a um, novel called The Librarian of Auschwitz, but this is her actual story herself. Um, and she talks about her experiences, both, you know, inside the camps and then after um, to the life she kind of built for herself um, once war was over. So that is A Delayed Life uh, by Dita Kraus. And then my last one is Greenwood by Michael Christie. Um, I'm just going to read this description because this, like, sold to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's 2038, and Jacinda Greenwood is a storyteller and a liar, an overqualified tour guide, babysitting ultra-rich vacationers in one of the world's last remaining forests. It's 2008, and Liam Greenwood is a carpenter, sprawled on his back after a workplace fall, calling out from the concrete floor of an empty mansion. It's 1974, and Willow Greenwood is out of jail, free from after being locked up for one of her endless series of environmental protests. It's 1934, and Everett Greenwood is alone, as usual, in his maple syrup camp squat when he hears the cries of an abandoned infant and gets tangled up in the web of a crime, secrets, and betrayal that will cling to his family for decades. And throughout, there are trees— a steady, silent pulse, 
thrumming beneath Christie's effortless sentences, working as a guiding metaphor for withering, weathering, and survival. A shining, intricate clockwork of a novel, Greenwood is a rain-soaked and sun-dappled story of the bounds, uh, bonds and breaking points of money and love, wood and blood, and the hopeful, impossible task of growing toward the light. Wow. Right? That sounds really good. I know. Also, fun fact, my last name translates to Greenwood. Really? I guess it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but they just like kept going. I mean, I'm that's, like, I yeah. am, I am sold on this. Okay. That's, yeah. So that, sounds that is amazing. Greenwood by Michael Christie. Um, speaking of woods and trees, I don't know if you saw, Ireland is going to plant 23 million trees a year, uh, in, like in perpetuity to help like fight uh, global warming. Sure. So good job, Ireland. Who I tweeted about this morning. I don't know if you saw. We have this thing that tracks like where our people are listening to us. We have a whole bunch of listeners in Ireland, apparently. So, hello Ireland. Hello Ireland. Which is very very cool. Um, did you do anything good lately that I want to talk about? I don't know. Like, did I read anything good? Yeah, I don't know. I'm in. I'm in like the middle of multiple books. I did just. So we have these limited notification apps, and they make me so excited because yes, <laughs> it like pops up. So um. I, so I am reading Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, and then I just got the notification yesterday that White Fragility came in for me, um, and I think that is, I feel like there's something I'm forgetting, a book I was reading, and I don't have my phone with me to look it up on the app, um, I'm going to need you to tell us your actions at the end of Nickel Boys, because something happens at the very end, and I want to know... No, I know. I mean, it's, it's not a give. It's not a giveaway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. I feel like there is something else that I am just forgetting. A book I was reading, and now I, I got nothing. So, uh, okay. so yeah. So, um, reading Nickel Boys, and then um, yeah, wait for fragility just came mm-hmm. in. I read a bunch of. I've been reading a bunch of arcs, so I'll talk about those later. But I finished Dear Edward yesterday, which we talked about in our January books. It's the one where there's one sole survivor of a plane crash. Oh, yeah. Oh god, it's so good. it's phenomenal. Um, it's so so good. It goes back and forth between like what's taking place on the flight and also what is happening to him afterwards as mm. he tries to cope with everything going on, and it's just phenomenal. Probably shouldn't have read it the week before. I'm getting on a bunch of pl- a plane, but right. <laughs> um, yeah, dear Edward, and it's not a shock. We talked about it last month, and also I'm pretty sure it's like sitting on the New York Times bestsellers list right now. So it's tragic and delightful. Um, and I'm listening to Long Bright River by Liz Moore, which I think we also talked about in our January books. I uh, just started that one. It's really, really good. It's these two sisters. One of them suffers from uh, addiction with drugs, and the other one is a police officer. She's always on the beat, worried she's going to find her sister dead and overdosed, and um, just like the family relationships. It goes back and forth in time. Just started that this morning, but it's really, really good, so... I just really wanted to tell everyone to talk about Dear Edward, and my way of doing that was to That's fine. ask what you had been reading. Whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else you think people should be aware of? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Um, well, that's going to be everything. Uh, in case you missed it for some reason, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, go back and listen to our most recent episode, or two at this point. Uh, we had Lois Lowry on our podcast podcast so just go to our website professionalbookness.com and listen to lois lowry talk for an hour and tell us stories mm-hmm. okay all right well that's going to be everything i hope you guys enjoy this february books edition of the professional book nerds podcast mm-hmm.
Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. 